0: Fresh episode of Fish Bites with Eli Sussman here. Safe and sound from an undisclosed location, keeping my social distance from all of you. We talk Miami Marlins baseball here on the pod, as well as on fishstripes.com, across social media at fishstripes, on Twitter, Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook, etc. More Marlins content coming in just a few moments, but first, a plea from me to all of my fellow citizens of the world, particularly my fellow Americans. Particularly my fellow young Americans who don't have pre-existing health conditions. You gotta stay inside. Walk your dogs. Support whichever small local businesses remain open. But otherwise, self-quarantine pleads. The more seriously we take this situation, the more effective it will be at saving lives, and the quicker we can resume business as usual. And everything's more fun with baseball in it. Major League Baseball has announced already that there will be no regular season games this week as originally scheduled. It's now, unfortunately, pretty evident that there will be no games in April or May either. A shortened version of the 2020 schedule is still on the table, of course, but the normal rules and rhythm of the baseball season no longer apply. So what I was wondering, first of all, is how this will affect the Marlins, um, and one of the great points about this 2020 Marlins team is that they're so young they still have so much growing to do so much more upside in many cases these players haven't realized their true baseball ceilings yet there's still room to grow Um, the downside of trying to analyze this 2020 Marlins team is that Is kind of the same thing. All these players are young. They don't necessarily have long track records in the majors that extend beyond more than a season or two. Very few of them are even into their arbitration years, which means that the track records uh, don't necessarily prepare you for how you think that player would have done at the beginning of a normal regular season that we're not going to get in the first place. Uh, But realizing that there's going to be no regular season baseball in March, April, or may, I decided to dig into the splits, but particularly with the veteran players, the ones that have been around a handful of years that have been through the those first few months of the season several times before, under different conditions in different roles on their teams, where the sample size is large enough that maybe you find something interesting about the way that they perform as the season goes on, uh, all things being equal it's it's not always some um, the same type of player that you get at different stages of the season. Uh, the role that the player has with that particular team has a big effect on it. Uh, Sometimes it's just about the proximity to spring training at the start of the year or just the mentality that that player has early in the year um, when technically everybody is still alive for the postseason at that point where no one individual game has the same type of intensity and pressure that those games would have later in the year. I think it's fair to expect that there's some sort of difference in the way that baseball in the majors is played during the first few months of the year versus later in the year. Once you get a a clearer idea of where you are as a team in the broader landscape of baseball, and where you are as a player, what the, the specific role that that player has, and uh, what they're being asked to do by their teams. I tried to dig into Jose oreña to find something interesting, and there's really not much there, uh, especially because his numbers are thrown through a loop, because uh, the previous, uh, it was at one point earlier in his career that he saw a lot of work in the bullpen during uh, the first few months of the season, and uh, considering that The Marlins have cast him as a starter heading into 2020, Uh, some of those numbers that he put up as a reliever in previous March, Aprils, and May, uh, that doesn't give us a whole lot to work with in terms of who he would be now that he's in a more prominent role once again. I also did some digging on Jesus Aguilar as well, the new first baseman, and it turns out that he's pretty terrible most Aprils, but then he bounces back with, with a vengeance in May to really balance it out. So there's nothing all that interesting there with him either because you combine those two months and the overall production that he gets generally in the first couple months of the year, uh, it's pretty much in line with what he does as a whole as a major leaguer. So it's instead these five veterans coming up right now that I thought had some splits that were at least worth mentioning. Uh the first one being Jonathan VR, he's going to be one of the most important players for this Marlins team whenever the season does in fact begin. He's been in the majors Uh, all the way since what 2013 yeah he debuted uh close to seven years ago now and uh, a lot of that time with Brewers of course last year with the Orioles and um even before both of that with the Houston Astros historically he's been pretty bad in March and April games he has a a slash line of 240-308-362 a 670 OPS in games that he plays During that opening month of the regular season and that's his lowest ops for any month of his career that he has Uh, more so than the batting what stood out to me is his base running as you know that was a big motivator for why the marlins acquired him they were a terrible base running team last year and vr was poised to be a huge reinforcement in that regard he's one of the Especially last year, he was a special overall base runner, a guy that added nearly an entire win to his Orioles team simply with his legs and what he did on the bases. Uh, So what I'm curious about is how, when you look at it, even though he doesn't get on base as much as usual in April, in March, generally speaking, even when you adjust for how often he was on base, his approach to base running was definitely more timid at the start of the year, historically, than it usually is. This is a guy last year, of course, that stole about 40 bases. And uh, even in, in the, his past, he's had one year where he stole over 60 in a season. Uh, but those numbers that he puts up generally happen later in the year. Uh, First career, just 26 of his stolen bases during March and April games. Uh, that's compared to every other month in May, that dials up to 39. Um, in June, it's only 21, but that's because he's lost a lot of playing time during the middle of the years in the past. When you when you scale it for the playing time that he gets uh, in April, in March and April, his, his base stealing is definitely down. His efficiency is still pretty good, 26 for 32 in overall attempts that he's had at the first month of the year. But uh, the overall attempts uh, relative to how often that he's been in position to steal bases is way down. If you look at uh, September and October, for example, where he has pretty similar playing time in his career compared to March and April, he has twice as many stolen bases, nearly 46 stolen bases in the final month of the year as compared to 26 in the first month of the year. That's, That's a little curious to me. Um... So the big question, of course, is whether when the season eventually gets off to its delayed start, hoping that it does start at some point, and that's no guarantee, uh, would he still be running with his the kind of timidness that he has historically shown in March and April games? Or would the fact that it's later into the year that he's several months into ramping up physically and getting into shape, would he? Um, would that be a different story? And would he proportionally be even more impactful during the 2020 season than he has been in the past because you, you throw out that historically slow start that he tends to get to as a base runner? Next up, I want to go to Corey Dickerson, who is... Got the biggest free agent contract that anybody ever has so far under new Marlins ownership. And what stood out to me with him is definitely the bat. During his career games in March and April, he's slashing 298, 351, 566, a 918 OPS. Which even for him, and we have repeatedly on the pod during the offseason, talked about what a great offensive track record he has in the majors with a variety of teams even as recently as last year. But even by his standards, this is excellent. This is clearly the best offense that he provides during any month of the year. And that's despite um, having some missed time in his past with injuries at the beginning of the year, with injuries and and emotions. So he's only played 112 career games in March and April, and only 93 games started. He has started 93 games during that opening month of the year, and he's homered 22 times wow so you extrapolate that over a full season it would be in the high 30s which is a number that he's never hit in a season in his major league career Uh, overall as a hitter in march and april he's basically a left-handed jd martinez think about that payoff coming and sent out to right and deep harper looking up and it's into the night a second deck home run for Corey dickerson that was a mammoth shot, and the Pirates down a run now. And One key to that production is that he just doesn't strike out very often either during that first part of the year. His strikeout rate tends to increase as the year goes on. Uh, however, that that increase comes pretty quickly. If you compare his March-April to his May, the batting average is the same, the on-base is a little lower, the slugging is 56 points lower, and the strikeout rate is way up. In March and April games, he strikes out about one every six plate appearances, which is much better than the league average. Then in May, it's 94 strikeouts and 420 plate appearances. That's a percentage in the low 20s. That's about major league average. So things pretty quickly normalize for him in terms of putting the ball in play, and uh, the home run rate comes down once you get into May as well. Overall, I just found it pretty interesting, the kind of starts he gets off to. Um uh, when he was in spring training with the marlins this year uh frankly he didn't do a whole lot of impressing during the exhibition games during the grapefruit league not a whole lot of long fly balls i think maybe just one ball that even made it to the warning track during all of his spring training appearances but um That for whatever reason, once it turns into the real thing and switches over to the regular season, historically he gets off to those fast starts, and that that's what the Marlins would be hoping for. A big reason why they signed him is to plug a hole in the outfield and give their top uh, prospects in the outfield at AAA time to really finish off their development and come up when when a need arises. So he wasn't guaranteed to serve out his entire two-year contract with the Marlins. He he was a guy that they could look into trading as soon as the middle of the 2020 season. If it was apparent that this next wave of outfielders was totally ready, at the very least, he was going to be a big part of the team early in the year. And uh, historically, he, he performs really well early in the year. And someone that you could definitely count on to help them win more games than they did the previous year. Another outfielder to bring up, one who's not technically on the roster, a non-roster invitee to spring training, Matt Kemp, who of course is a former National League MVP who has a pre-existing relationship with manager Don Mattingly dating back to their days with the Dodgers. A lot like Dickerson, he gets off to some great starts offensively. His slash line in his career from March and April games, almost identical to Dickerson, a three oh nine batting average, three sixty on base. slugging, 54 home runs in the equivalent of about one and a half seasons. Well, yeah, about one and two-thirds seasons. It, It translates to a home run pace in the high 30s, if you were to extrapolate, over a full year. Just far and away, his best individual month that he has, if you look at his career splits, that 9.09 OPS helped a little bit by an inflated Batting average on balls in play, a three sixty BABIP in his career in March and April. This is someone that, as recently as 2018, he was hitting the ball hard. And that's one reason why the Marlins thought it was interesting to take a flyer on him, aside from his track record, that he's not that far removed from making really great quality contact, which, can, uh, which is generally something that can overcome what you might think about somebody's good luck or bad luck. You can make your own luck if you have high enough quality of contact. Um, personally, I would be really surprised if he made the team, uh, he was brought into camp to be given a chance to stick, uh, more so as just a glorified pinch hitter, veteran leader off the bench. Uh, he just didn't look, he didn't look ready in spring training. So I guess he is a beneficiary of this delayed season. Um, for whatever reason, I know he was adjusting to a new diet. Uh, he went, if, if I'm correct, he went totally vegan with his diet this year, um, which is always an interesting look for a guy that is was a really big build and for someone that in the past has been one of the more athletic players in the league to suddenly cut out uh, meat and other uh, key ingredients from your diet. Uh, but that simply didn't add up all that well. They of course uh, tried to experiment with him at first base after being spending his career as an outfielder and the limited looks that we got at him at that position uh, weren't all that exciting either. Like I said, a, a beneficiary of this delayed season for sure, because he simply didn't look. Um, he didn't look like he would have a good shot at making the team, and uh, now he has a chance to regroup back home out in the West Coast. On the pitching side, Brandon Kinsler, who has brought in specifically to be a late-inning reliever for the Marlins, if not their closer. All indications were that he would open the season as their closer. uh, A job he's done a little bit in the past, but uh, overall he has had plenty of work in high-leverage situations. He's another hot starter of this bunch. For his career in March and April games, he allows an OPS under 600, an ERA of 310. That's compared to his career ERA, of 337 a little better than usual in those situations um but things really catch up to him Uh, he he has hit some rough patches in his career once it flips over to the month of may allowing a batting average against of 299 and ops of 805 and both those marks are the worst that he has in any individual month of his career this is someone that has been around now for close to a decade in the major league level so you're never going to get the Large sample sizes that you want for someone that spends their entire career pitching out of the bullpen, but he's um if there is any reliever that you're gonna try to use this type of splits with, I guess Kinsler would be a good candidate, just because his stuff has been pretty consistent uh throughout his years on various teams, and uh, even as someone that's now in his mid 30s, he's he's a similar type of pitcher that he's always been, so that makes it somewhat easier to compare year-over-year, similar to Dickerson. He's someone that is under control technically for two years, 2020, with a club option for 2021. But if the Marlins get the kind of production that they're looking for from some of their internal candidates, then Kinsler could easily find himself shopped at the trade deadline. The March and April stuff is legitimately good, uh, but the May stuff is legitimately concerning. His walk rate really spikes during those months. Allows about one and a half base runners for every inning pitched in May. And he really settles in during June and July. Instead, um, a time of year that could also be pretty effective. If you look at last year with the Marlins, they had Sergio Romo in a very similar position to Kinsler. Romo did not get off to the greatest of starts For the Marlins in 2019, and he really found his groove in June and July. He had a long scoreless ending streak in there. Um, I don't think he blew a save in all of June or July. I'll have to double check that. I don't think he had a single blown save during that entire run, and that's what allowed them to flip him in a trade to the Minnesota Twins and get a lot in return for him. So so that would be um that'd be another good outcome for the Marlins in their handling of Kinsler. One more to fit this theme of monthly splits. Another non-roster invitee is, uh, I guess, the pitcher version of Matt Kemp is Brad Boxberger, the right-hander who is entering what is age 31 season, age 32 season, has birthday in May, and he was fantastic in spring training. He probably needed to be fantastic just to ensure that he was gonna get a spot on the opening day roster, and unfortunately for him, uh, of course, the the league was shut down right before the marlins had to make those type of decisions about who to put on the roster and who not to the 40-man roster is full but reporting from both craig mish and from joe Forsaro indicated that boxberger had done enough to show that he was a, a rejuvenated version of himself and i think the better word is a reinvented version of himself he had a bad 2019 with the royals And that throws a wrench into some of his lifetime early season stats. He's someone that historically had been at his best or pretty damn near his best when pitching in March and April and May games. Uh, A three fifty eight career ERA in March and April, a two fifty eight career in May, if you combine those, um, it's right around a three even, 3.0 career earned run average during those first couple months of the year, Uh, 105 strikeouts in 83 innings 105 in 83 innings um, a strikeout rate in nearly 30 percent in appearances that he makes during the first couple months of the year as i said 2019 with the royals was a different story it continued a long trend of his stuff deteriorating his fastball velocity continuing to dip and he put in the work this offseason with a driveline baseball they switched up some of his mechanics um, he fine-tuned some of the secondary pitches that he had to complement his fastball. And from what he showed during uh off-season bullpen session that led to the Marlins signing him, and then what he continued to show in game action, is that he looks better than he has in years. As he faces Justin Williams, called strike three. Williams called looking. Boxberger's got the K to begin inning number eight. Swing and a miss by Schrock. He's down on strikes. Two outs, nobody on here in the eighth inning. Edmund. It was looking pretty inevitable that he was going to get an active roster spot. And as long as he stays healthy during this break um, and doesn't lose what he worked on during the offseason, he's going to be a big asset to the team. And you would think, especially early in the year, unlike with Kinsler and Dickerson, he's not controllable beyond the 2020 season. He'd be able to reenter free agency again, which makes him even a clearer candidate to be flipped during the middle of the season to a team that is more likely to be in contention than the Marlins are. And all signs are pointing up. He's a guy that if he just shows up in the same type of condition that he did initially in February, that uh, whenever the season finally gets underway, uh, he's someone that is poised and based on his history to really jump out of the gate, performing really well and helping this team in these high leverage situations that cause them so much stress just one season ago. We transition to a very different type of baseball analysis now, something that is not rooted in any hard analytics and isn't unique to myself. It's based on crowdsourcing that we did to the Stripes audience on Twitter and on Instagram, based on the current theme of our lives, which is how you're coping with this current isolation self-quarantining to prevent the spread of coronavirus and uh, help us get back to our usual lives as quick as possible, keeping our distance, um, spending time with immediate family or potentially even on your own, and to give it a Marlins twist, the specific question I asked is, you have to be quarantined for the next month with one Marlins player, past or present. Who's your top pick and who's the worst pick? We got a lot of creative responses to this, uh, more than 60 responses so far, and uh, I just tried to focus on the first few dozen that came in. I don't want to make this episode excessively long, but we got a lot of creative responses because it was a question that I wasn't too sure of myself. Uh, after reading some of your insight, I, I, got, um, I reached my own conclusions about this. I'll share my picks at the very end of this segment, um, beginning with, let's see, Jason, was the first one to respond it looks like and he picked as his favorite self-quarantine buddy jose fernandez or d gordon you're about to see a whole lot of jose fernandez picks not all that surprising based on the type of personality and radiance that he showed on the mound and even when he was in the dugout um off the field in general he's a guy that Always found a way to have a good time, even when the conditions weren't all that ripe for it. Joe Gold on Twitter said his top pick is Logan Morrison, that his worst pick is Heath Bell. That's another another pick that you'll see repeated a few times here. Heath Bell, the closer for the Marlins in 2012, didn't go all that well on both a performance standpoint and his personal conduct when it came to dealing with his teammates and the media and the fans, etc., Continuing to scroll through here from Nick Pena, his top pick is Cliff Floyd. And his worst pick is A.J. Burnett, the former right-hander for the Marlins. Ted Hill, picked as his top guy, Jose Fernandez. An honorable mention to Bobby Bonilla. And his worst pick to self-quarantine with, Emilio Bonifacio. Next up from Justin his top one is also Jose Fernandez. His worst one is Lewis Brinson. This this annoyed me a little bit in these responses with people um, simply distancing themselves from bad baseball players. I think everything we know about Lewis Brinson is that he would be a very cooperative guy. Someone that, while personally, uh, as a player, he's had his obvious struggles, sometimes lost some confidence in the process, off the field. He he seems like, he seems like someone that I would actually trust a lot in this situation. So he'd be pretty high up on my preference list. Not my top pick in that situation, but more so as a desirable quarantine mate than as someone that i'd want to avoid so very rude for people to turn this into an indictment on player performance there's things that are more important than that uh another way of looking at this comes from the fish army those are our guys jacob and shane who do a great job on twitter Uh, from them their worst pick would have to be uguth urbina the closer from the 2003 Florida Marlins championship team. But this is not a reference to his performance or um, who he was as a baseball player, but rather to what ended his baseball career when um, I just got the clarification on this now that he was in fact imprisoned for over seven years after being charged with attempted murder. There were people on his property in Venezuela and he, um, they were either there um, trespassing or in whatever case he overreacted a little bit and actually attacked them and he was charged for that and did his time in prison from what i now know he's now out of prison but this clearly makes him someone that you won't necessarily want to trust in that situation someone that doesn't like to share what he has with others clearly and uh, (laughs) a very clever way of looking at it from the fish army guys as we keep going from Thunder Snow, he picked Charlie Huff. The stories would never end. I agree. That's, a, that's another good way of looking at it. Huff has been around the Marlins quite a bit, even since he retired about 25 years ago. Someone that played in the game a long time and has a pretty unique perspective on life. Here I am, 45 years old, and the Marlins call me and I get to pitch the first ever game in South Florida. Uh, against my old team, the Dodgers, my favorite manager, Tommy Lasorda. Um, it was like a dream come true, and it was it was like that day. It was kind of a rotten morning, rainy, lo- lousy day, and then game time, it was gorgeous. So. He, he really is a clever guy and uh, definitely would be someone that would probably keep a, a nice disposition about him and keep morale pretty high or wherever you are uh, being isolated with him. From Twitter handle a la fish heat, selecting Miguel Cabrera as the most desirable self quarantine mate, and the worst one being Carl Pavano. He's a prick. All right. Moving on to Mike Hirsch, he also selects Charlie Huff. And then to JC Perez, he says, Miggy, referring to Miguel Cabrera, because he drinks a lot, so it's perfect. Another off color comment there from our audience. Um, ch- taking a look at it in a way that I definitely wasn't at this question. You guys probably know that after Miguel Cabrera left the Marlins over a decade ago, he, um, he had a domestic incident that was seemingly related to alcohol. And I think by all accounts, he actually had to stop drinking because it was becoming quite a problem in both his personal life and his professional life. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Switching over to Instagram, we got a few responses over there, uh, including from Zach Rabb, uh, a longtime reader of Fish Drives and one of the great guys to talk about any type of baseball with. He says, definitely Pablo Lopez, and I would not want to be stuck with Billy the Marlin. Yeah, pretty, pretty defensible picks uh, on both edges right there. Also from Instagram, this is from the handle and Sharona. Top pick would be Brian Miller who is uh not even on the Marlins major league roster. I think everybody else here actually picked a Marlins major leaguer, but this is going with the outfield prospect Brian Miller, who is at Marlins spring training, not just because of his mm-hmm. wife Michelle, um, is part of the package. I, I do have a I don't have a bottom pick because all Marlins rock. So, might might be some personal relationship there between this person and the Miller family. And then to Jacob on Instagram saying, Giancarlo Stanton with one, two, three, four, five, six exclamation points. So a very strong endorsement of Giancarlo Stanson for sure. I Another good pick in my opinion. So we move on back to the Twitter conversation from Albert 305 Uh-oh. My, my, my scrolling went too fast. From J. Albert 305, he says Jose, Dantrell, or JP, meaning Juan Pierre, answer for his worst pick. He's also going with Ugith Urbina. Mason with an M says Pablo, he just got the game MLB The Show, so probably him. A handful of Marlins players are now playing that video game MLB The Show 20 that was just released earlier this month. Uh, I think the most prominent a uh, Marlins player that uses it would be Sterling Sharp uh, but Miguel Rojas also has it Pablo Lopez announced on Twitter earlier this week that he finally got his copy of the game uh, it's a pretty t- a popular team bonding experience throughout this whole situation and uh, it's good to see it's good to see them like putting those baseball muscles to work even if they're not working out directly or you know directly spending time with each other from Corbett Harrell, he says, anyone not picking Sergio Romo tops is wrong. Sergio was made such a great impression on everybody. He was only with the Marlins organization for, what, about five and a half months before getting traded in between his signing and his trade last July, but he made an amazing impression on everybody a fun-loving loving guy that doesn't take himself too seriously. From uh, Sofia De Solo. The top one is hard, but probably Jose Fernandez. Worst one, Brian Anderson. I'm not sure where that's coming from. Brian Anderson seems to be a fine guy by all accounts. Um, he's got a couple dogs to keep us company in the meantime. But um, for whatever reason, Sofia hating on BA. Next up, Jose Felix Diaz. He chooses Andre the Hawk Dawson. We just put um, the Hawk in an article that was on Fish Tribes uh, earlier this week about one of the many players that uh, had a star career elsewhere, and in the case of Dawson, a Hall of Fame career elsewhere, but ended up finishing out that career, uh, playing out the string with the Marlins. Um, in a non-competitive situation in a part-time role uh, trying to draw the parallels between someone like Dawson and Tom Brady of course the legendary quarterback that just signed with the Tampa Bay Bucks. so Dawson was on my mind already because of that recent article and uh, Jose goes with him uh, an understandable one of course Dawson also spends a bunch of years around the Marlins organization after he retired uh, until recently with the change in ownership they uh, removed him from that advisory role that he had on the team as an ambassador, but uh, someone that seems generally pretty well-liked and uh, obviously has a lot of great stories uh, in the same vein as someone like Charlie Huffwood. From There Goes My Hero, he's picking two, uh, Juan Pierre and Dontrell Willis, both fairly good selections, if I do say so myself. From Andrew, who has the account handle abec918, Scott Olson, Cody Simmons is selecting Alex Vesia, so there's actually another prospect right there. Vesia, an amazing performer ever since the Marlins drafted him in 2018. Uh, a, a fun ripple effect of this delayed season is that his scoreless streak lives on, dating all the way back to July 2019. He has not allowed a run in any type of pitching situation which includes time with High-A Jupiter, Double-A Jacksonville, the Arizona Fall League, and Major League Spring Training. It's a scoreless streak that goes on for over 40 innings and, as of this recording, for over eight consecutive months. But uh, we're still a couple months away, probably, from the resumption of games. So that scoreless streak that Vessia has, amazing as it was already, um, looks even more impressive as we move forward without any other baseball to uh, challenge that streak from continuing. Next up from Billy DeMarlin. Can we pick can my pick represent both the worst and the best player? He goes with Kevin Millar and Kevin Millar. So both both the guy you'd want to spend the most time with and uh, the one that you wouldn't want to spend time with for various reasons. Millar obviously had is that has a notoriously loud personality and has uh, still been in the baseball media ever since Uh, retiring from his playing career, someone that is is very well known publicly for uh, both good and irritating reasons. Anthony Vega also goes with Kevin Millar from Bill Turnbull, his account Bill from Boyden. Jose Fernandez is his pick for obvious reasons. The worst one would be Kevin Brown, he says, because all he would do is sit and brood. From Mary Lou Briggs, she says, I would like to hang out with Ryan Stanek because he's cool and funny and my fave. I even have his autograph tattooed on my ankle. There's no worse pick. I like them all. I'm 65. They're my boys. And she sent a picture of Ryan Stanick's autograph tattooed on her ankle, and it looks really good. That's a, that's a bizarrely specific tattoo choice that, that she made. Um, But but definitely the first that sided with Stanek on this one, for sure. Ian Wallace goes with his top pick, Christian Yelich. His worst pick is uh, that crafty lefty, Jason Vargas. To Cindy, Cindy says Francisco Cervelli, the new Marlins backup catcher that was signed over the offseason, well-respected veteran player, and uh, someone that is generally very well-liked all-around Major League Baseball by both fans and from teammates. Just a few more fan responses to go through before I make my own highly anticipated picks for this exercise. Nick C goes with Jose Fernandez and puts a, a frowny face. Of course, we all miss Jose very, very much. From Daza uh, at the account handle Raider Nylon also goes with Jose Fernandez. From Sports Goofs, they say, Heath Bell would eat your month's supply of rations within the first week which is very true. That's a clever way of looking at it. Remember, this hy- hypothetical was one full month with a Marlins player. You need to coexist with that player and uh, no doubt, I mean, with the limited ways that we can get food at this time around the U.S. and uh, considering that you want to be stocking up in advance, I think that has to be a consideration is how this player would, uh, would, co- would split the the food with you, how generous they would be, and how disciplined they would be, Heath Bell, someone that um, was not so quietly having some issues with his his weight gain at various points in his career. From Arik Fetcher, his best one would be Juan Pierre, but a lot of other good ones. His worst would be Mike Piazza. He'd only stay for like a second. Very clever one, alluding to the fact that Mike Piazza was only a Marlin for about a week before being traded along. To the Mets in the late 90s. From Christian F., he says the top one, Dan Ugla or Logan Morrison. The worst one, Leo Nunez, aka Juan Carlos Ovedo. Lisa Larson says, yes, please, Dontrell Willis. No thanks to Ugith Urbina. So that's, you count him up three times that people have chosen Urbina as the worst one. Last one from Madison Marie, she says, in all caps, Jordan Yamamoto which is not surprising at all because Madison happens to be Jordan's fiance and they are self-quarantining right now. So I guess things are going pretty well. Thank you for the report, Madison, that uh, we know that our boy who had his exciting rookie year with the Marlins in 2019 seems to be doing pretty well. With all these great suggestions taken into consideration, I'm finally going to make my picks for this exercise As a reminder, the specific question was, you have to be quarantined for the next month with one Marlins player, past or present. Who's your top pick, and who's the worst pick? For both of mine, I'll have to go with past Marlins players. The top one was pretty easy for me. It would have to be the legendary outfielder, the future Hall of Famer, Ichiro Suzuki, who in his playing career between Japan and the major leagues, He's earned, what, about $200 million in salary, not even to mention some of the endorsements. So he is obscenely wealthy. We could get just about anything that we want, I imagine, uh, brought to us. and No limitations on the kind of amenities that you would have while being uh, locked together with Ichiro. I would really look forward to how I'm going to entertain myself without having live sporting events. Or, uh, or anything else really going on in the world. And uh, a key for me would be able to spend time with him on his property and watch his, uh, his daily workouts. Someone that was legendary for the way he worked out. And as recently as 2019, when he was spending time around the Mariners after officially retiring from his playing career, he, conti- he was amazing that he, he already in his mid-40s was continuing to take daily batting practice with the team. And go through other drills with them he's someone that is kept himself in extraordinary physical condition even as eventually father time uh, brought his playing career to an end and uh, his batting practice sessions were things of legends someone that of course when he was actually playing games in the majors he was famous for the kind of um how he guided the ball his bats ball skills and his bat control rather than hitting for power but you hear about the the rumors of his batting practice sessions he was a guy that had about as much uh raw power as anybody with each row drills it right field and deep back goes kim it is gone a three-run shot the 43 year old goes deep I would really look forward to watching his private batting practice sessions to see um, how exactly that compares to some of the myths about him. Uh, As someone that is about the same size as me, Ichiro is probably about an inch taller than me and uh, actually a little bit thinner than I am. Another thing you're taking into consideration that um, you want to have someone that doesn't necessarily hog all the food to himself. And I imagine as someone that Uh, Not only was raised in Japanese culture, but someone that was very obsessive over his physical condition, that his diet looks a lot different than my own junk food diet. There wouldn't, I would imagine, be much overlap between what he likes to eat and what I like to eat. So both of us um, would be able to live our best lives, uh, for lack of a better phrase, during this um, difficult time that we're enduring And he also was rather famous for being somewhat of a prankster uh, among his teammates, a guy that creates a lot of fun, uh, even outside of games, and um, finds his own entertainment in life. So I'd really look forward to that, even being victimized by some of his pranks. That seems like a good way to pass the time. On the other side of the coin, the Marlin who I would not want to be quarantined with is Kevin Millar someone that we've gotten to know pretty well as a media personality over the last decade plus with now on MLB Network, and that's in addition to being on the Marlins himself a couple decades ago. I find him pretty obnoxious, as simple as that. I think I'd go crazy to spend a lot of time with him, and he doesn't strike me as the most disciplined person in a matter of respects, one of those being His diet is someone that's a little overweight and I imagine would have a pretty big appetite for a lot of the same foods that I like. So there could be some tension there uh, between him trying to eat his comfort food and I try to eat mine when we're together in this situation. And more so, I don't really trust him to, uh, to remain self-quarantined. That goes back to the discipline again. He's as the guy that within a couple of days, he'd find excuses for going out into the uh, outside world and interacting with people. That's something that probably made him pretty successful as a teammate and continues to make him successful as a media personality. Um, but in this situation, I don't think he's necessarily built for success. If you didn't get a chance to answer these questions on social media, if you weren't around on Saturday or Sunday, uh, be sure to answer in the comments on the article that is posted to fishstripes.com. And uh, we'll continue to ask some clever questions on social media during this entire delayed season. Um, Upcoming episodes of this pod, I promise to have some live guests on with me. Uh, But even when I don't have guests, the hope is to have a lot of this of fan feedback some of your questions some of your suggestions uh to make this really a communal podcast uh for all marlins fans thanks a lot for joining me as always make sure to tune in for our upcoming episodes we have some fun stuff planned to help pass the time i'm eli sussman go fish <music>